Hello, good morning. I was just walking past a small it's part of a river but it's not it's not a natural river if you know what I mean in the UK uh, there are canals and behind factories there tends to be like industrial runoff either where they take water in or they dump water out and it's, it's not natural it's, it's basically been put in there by somebody so I often see a lot of people fishing at one particular spot and you do see you do see fish around there in the morning time especially when it's cooler um, see them all kind of jumping up but I often wondered like part of the canal you have to buy a permit in order to fish there and there's only certain times of the year that you can actually go in and fish so I always wondered how do they because it's, it's a public service the river even though people think it's uh, people think it's a natural that it, it happened naturally it didn't it's got walls it's a canal it's got walls it's got pipes leading into it which are built into walls So whilst people might look at that and say that, that that should be available to everyone, that there shouldn't be any restrictions on it because it's natural, but it's not natural. It is a body of water that's been diverted or trapped in a man-made structure. Meaning that somebody has gone in, dug it out, divert, divert the water through to it, and then whatever's happened has happened. The fish have come in, the, the water life has kind of followed it. So it's public property. But it's not in the in not it's not in the sense that people think. Because public doesn't mean for something to be public it has to be owned by somebody. Typically a public company. A public government. 
a public service organisation. So when you go and buy a permit to go and fish on this this piece of water, the money's going to the service corporation. You're paying for the the right. A permit means to grant liberty to allow you to do something. Now if it's something that is natural, naturally occurring and it it was just there, nobody can charge you for that. Nobody can say you have to have a permit to fish in here. They can't do that. They might give the impression that they can, but... If it is something that is naturally occurring, they can't. If it's something that is owned by somebody else, i.e. a service corporation like your council or your government, then they lead you to believe that a public service is something for everybody. But you have to pay for those services. Because somebody has to provide the service. Somebody has to... Somebody has to put it together. It's not... Nothing that is public is natural. Everything that is public is defined as public because... If you look at the... If you look at the etymology of the word public, it's open to general observation. It is of the people. Now, I think that's what people, when they think of public, that's what they think of, of the people, for general observation. or belonging to the people or public property but if that's true if it's public property why do you need to pay for a permit if you already pay the council or the government to provide services to you that are public property that belong to the people why are you paying for it so many times why do you have to go and pay for a permit why do you have to pay for someone to go and harass people to ask them if they have a permit So, because someone's been paid to go and check up and down this part of the river if people have permits Someone actually has to be paid to do that. And when... When you have someone that's been paid to do a job like that, it means that the the only intention is to make sure that you've paid your money. It's not to preserve or protect 
the for the good of the people because regardless of whether they're paid for a permit or not there's no limit on how many people can fish there so it's not it's not even like to protect the fish it's not to protect the the ecological factors or conditions in this man-made industrial runoff because that's all it is but because it's connected to the to a part of the canal and the open river the fish get in there and becomes its own like becomes its own habitat for whatever makes its way into there and even going even going out to sea if you wanted to fish you hear about disputes on the news about about fishermen from certain countries going into territory other <laughs> like French fishermen going into UK fishing waters and fishing it's like can't put a boundary around what you think is yours and that's what countries do that's what governments do because governments are responsible for protecting themselves because they make a lot of money from companies that pay to fish in the UK waters so if they've got people coming in that are fishing for free it's more of a problem of keeping the people that are paying to fish there happy because you can't put up a fence or a wall in water is stupid so I think uh, I think what I'm trying to say I'm not really <laughs> I'm not a fisherman I've never been fishing it's just this uh, this situation just occurred this morning as I was walking past this guy pulled up starts talking to these two guys that are fishing and he shows his he's got a lanyard round his neck or something and he shows it to make it seem like it's all official he's wearing he's smartly dressed and I'm just thinking what is the point the guy is just going there to ensure that they can collect 
something from them to collect money either by selling them a permit or by giving them a fine and it's when did all that start when did when did a service corporation when did that come into existence why was there a need for for an entity for a corporate entity to manage a locality and how did they acquire all this property because every town every city has got public property which is essentially just owned by the service corporation the government or the council and I call them a service organisation because that's all they do they provide services your council more so than the central government because your council all they do is send you a bill and they say you owe this much for the police and this much for the fire engines and this much for the ambulances and this much is our cut and that's regardless if you use their services or not so they are convincing people to pay for something that they may or may not use it's almost like insurance it's there just in case but But the ambulance and the police and the um, and the fire engines, they don't check if you've paid your bill, do they? Because that's not their business. Their business is to provide the service to the service corporation. It's like a, it's a contract. Say if your council failed fail to failed to get enough money to get your local fire brigade to provide their service what would happen they'd have to go to the next available fire service so it might seem weird to people why are the fire service that are local not able to put out fires and it has to be a fire service from 10 miles away from a different village or a different town it's because of the contract that's why weird things like that happen and people think it's weird because they think that fire brigade fire services are a local public service but they're only a public service because it's provided through contract from a council a service organisation a public service organisation Now, I mentioned this before. The only way that they really get away with doing what they do and getting people to pay 
for services that they may or may not need is because there's no competition. If there was private organizations, if there were um, any other If there was any other way to be able to choose, so say you've got an emergency, you can either dial a public service organisation's number or you could dial a different number, which introduces choice. And that's what the public service organisation don't want you to know, that when there's choice, their entire structure disintegrates because all they do is manage contracts. They create contracts with the people they live with by saying that they're going to provide these services. And I think even the people that work for these organisations have no idea what they're doing. I've spoken to some of them. And they have no idea what they're doing. It is very clear that what they're doing is administrating contracts, administrating paperwork, and that's it. They have no interest. They have no interest in what they're actually supposed to be doing, which is providing public services. And in providing those services, they have to ensure that they're fit for purpose. So that means actually going into the town and getting to know people, getting to know the area, getting to know the problems, getting to know the things that do work, the things that don't work. And every time I've spoken to people in these service organisations, they have no idea what is going, around, going on around them. Some of them don't even live in the town that they, that they chose to represent which makes it even more bizarre it that it just it's just a job to them they've got no they've got no passion and that's what's lacking there's no passion for what they are doing it is literally getting a job for life to stay stay there as long as they could and you see that in some towns where you'll have a generation of one family stay there for a decade and then you'll have the next generation of that family come up and do exactly the same thing because that's what their father did or that's what their brother did so they do the same thing because it was easy money. Because they didn't really have to do anything different. Just had to follow the same pattern. Just do the same thing that the, the brother or the father had told them to do. You know? Just ensure the contracts are signed. Just ensure that any problems, make sure to talk doesn't matter if you do anything or not if you act it's just uh, 
important that you talk and reassure people. So it comes about comes more about PR than uh, actually doing something worthwhile, doing something wholesome. I think that's what it definitely frustrates me and it shouldn't because that's what they've chosen to do but it's the I think it's more the fact that people are being led people are being deceived into supporting these people that they're being deceived into paying a bill for something that they never asked for that they're paying for they're paying for things that have no have absolutely no impact on them but they've been asked to pay for it and I get I get the because it, there isn't just bad in things right there's always got to be something good in it so you may feel, well, for 20 years I've been paying, paying bills to this local council and I've never used any of their services. I've never used the services, yet I've paid, I've always paid my bill on time. And perhaps by giving up some of that charge, some of that current, some of that currency that you'd earned, it's it's allowed you to discharge some of that liability. Because the notes, the money that you earn, the currency, when you turn that into a paper or yeah, when it's just paper. When you turn it into paper form, it becomes a debt. It's a liability because it's a promissory note. It's not. It's not something that you'd want to hold on to because it carries a negative charge to it. So. What, what they do by introducing tax and introducing bills that they say you must pay is they're doing the job for you. They're, they're helping you to discharge some of your negative charge. To just discharge some of your liability. Which is a good thing. 
anyone that holds on to vast amounts of cash probably feels the need to either get rid of it very quickly or to spend it and I think the council and the government would rather you spend it by giving it to them because then they can because they can discharge it much quicker oh wow so I'm just near it's very it's a bit cloudy today actually it's uh sunny and clear skies and then these these really thin lines of clouds expanding out and I've just found two planes flying there must be a few miles between them but they're almost head and tail ones they're both dropping trails as well I guess it could be a military escort or something but why they the trail is kind of being picked up by a big cloud that's in the middle very weird I've not seen that before I've seen military refuelers and jets and stuff like that but I've not seen I mean these are almost like the same size like a passenger jet just twin engine there's not not military unless they're um, government service government service vehicles yeah that's the thing as well why do uh, government service officers need a plane Yeah, so it, it stinks, but because the intention the intention is uh, to deceive you to make you pay it's like the TV license in the UK they still don't explain exactly why you need it now it was introduced because in order to be a broadcaster, in order to transmit live, in order to transmit live uh, television or pre-recorded television, you had to have a license, a broadcaster's license. And then I'm guessing somebody smart said, hey, we've got licenses for radio, shortwave radio, you know, that, that kind of amateur radio type things. Why don't we have a license for TV receiving? For receiving TV signals. So that's what they did and never, it never went away. It was for live broadcast TV. But now, obviously, TV isn't broadcast just over the air. It is broadcast 
or rather it's available through your internet connection you can get any content you want doesn't have to be broadcast they should have known that because in the early 2000s they switched off the analog signal and switched to digital so the TV license should have been scrapped then but they didn't because it's a cash car because people just pay it but now people have stopped paying it I mentioned this in a mentioned this a few weeks ago people stopped paying it and when people stopped paying it when enough people stopped it was a cascade effect suddenly they were on the back foot and they had to say uh, oh, we're looking at creating a subscription model so completely scrapping the TV license altogether in order to create a subscription model where you have to register to watch public TV you have to give them your details to tell them that you're watching public TV and I think it's probably going to backfire on them as well because I can't remember the last time I watched public TV a lot of people don't a lot of the younger generation don't they can watch it all online somewhere else on different platforms the old broadcasters the public broadcasters are dead in the water they're they're trying to play catch up but they're um, where are they going to get the funding from I imagine they'll be either a hefty subscription fee or they'll have the public pay a tax anyway that funds uh, public broadcasters so even if they do get rid of the get rid of the um, TV license for good they may still add it as part of like the general income tax or something so it's not um, it's not so clear cut it's very deceitful in the way that they um, structure all of this stuff and that they just take they just seem to take and take and people don't seem to mind they think it's they think it's their duty to do something they think it's their duty that if they don't they may be viewed as being like a a bad person or something some very uh, weird noises coming from in this little this little forested area and uh, sounds like crows but I can't see anything and they're um, going a little bit I don't know, maybe they're just being protective or something. Maybe there's a nest. Yeah, they're just uh, screeching. Now they kind of die down a bit. Just as I'm moving to the sides. 
Um, yeah, so whilst it seems that tax is a bad thing, it does have its good. It has a purpose in doing some good, in helping you discharge some of your liability. It's almost like someone auto-deducting a charity payment every month from your account. You kind of feel... You'd feel good about that, right? If you knew that someone was donating to charity on your behalf, even if they've done it without telling you, you're still... You might be like, ah, well, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to cancel it because I might feel bad then. So, so yeah, you'd, you'd still do it. I think that's how people feel about tax. They think that, well, they might not use the services, but at least it might help somebody that is using it or that does need it or that somebody that can't afford to pay it so it kind of it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy it's like uh, I'm going to pay £400 a month I'm going to pay £400 a month for something that I never I have no intention of using but it doesn't matter because at least somebody else can use it But that's, uh, even that could be a bit of a falsehood. Because how do you know where your money is going exactly? Like, I know I said it's good in that you're discharging some of your liability, some of that negative charge, but at least it would be nice to know where it is actually going. Because if it's just going into somebody's back pocket, if it is just being put into an account to just sit there and just to be handed out to people that maybe don't need it, that are just going to spend it on lavish things you should still know about that because then that produces a how do you say um think of the word where you've got a a dilemma there's something like that where it's like if you if you stop paying 
stop paying that bill then what are the consequences of that what are you going to do with that money in order to discharge your liability because holding the cash is not a good idea and spending the cash on things is also not a good idea I mean you have all these celebrities right all these wealthy financiers and business people you're told that they're wealthy you're told that they've got a lot of money you're told that they're worth a certain value of money but do you actually know that or have you just been told that because it's like somebody could tell you that they've got so much money how do you actually know that you don't know unless you see the bank balance or have some like kind of first hand first hand observation of it it's more just uh could just be a story or is it conjecture where you're kind of trying to paint a picture but it may not be true so you could say oh these people are so wealthy and so rich they've got so much money but then why are they given free things Why Why do they get invited to such lavish uh, dinner parties? Or at least that's what we are told. Where apparently they, they don't pay for anything. Celebrities get given watches, they get given expensive clothes. No, it's, marketing is one thing, right? people see a celebrity wearing a particular watch or clothes but the general populace is not going to be able to afford maybe a hundred thousand dollar watch or a twenty thousand dollar dress that's just unobtainable for the vast majority so what is the what is the point is it maybe the celebrity is doing work for them and that's the payment maybe they would rather receive that than receive cash Maybe that's just, maybe it's just another way of trading, another system that everyone's not privy to because maybe certain people get brought up learning that other system and uh, government-sponsored education is brought up using the, the common system, currency, money 
calf. And all you're really seeing in these news stories about these celebrities and financiers is that that's how much they would be worth if they used the common system, if they were a commoner, if they were a citizen. That's what they would be worth, so that you can understand that. But to understand it in their system, maybe it's completely different. Maybe it is not a monetary value, but it's more about status, rank, order. Because there isn't really any... What's the rank or status or order in common? Well, what was the commonality? What you have, what you don't have. Um, what brands? what you drive, what you eat, what you were. It's more of a... It's the material side. It's more like, oh, well... You've got this brand, so you must be better than somebody who doesn't have that. And that might be an aspect of the the other system. That these proclaimed wealthy people would fit into or fall into. That their influence and their power and their status allows them to get particular things that would be unattainable to like the lower ranking celebrities and it would make sense right it would make sense that they've got their own rank class status system because what happens every year every year the queen gives her honours and she gives these celebrities business people financiers she gives them a title she gives them a status so it's it's there to see and people celebrate it but people don't understand what that means why are they carrying on a tradition for hundreds for hundreds and hundreds of years a tradition of knighting somebody making them a sir what 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 is that what what are they actually doing and I spoke about this before that about desire desire 
which means to essentially remove your title, remove your knighthood, whereas sir or sire is to be given it, to be given a knighthood or a title. It was typically knighthood that was uh, referenced when I looked at that. So, why, why does that have relevance? Why does that have relevance now? It doesn't have relevance to us. It doesn't have relevance to me. It just means that somehow having status as a celebrity or a businessman or a financier or someone that's got influence somehow links you to the royal family in the UK because they're willing to give you a title they're willing to give you a knighthood for something for some to elevate your status to elevate you for some reason for some purpose And it's just all very bizarre, but it's all telling of of two systems. Because how many people that are not celebrities, that are not wealthy, how many people are given knighthoods? How many just ordinary, common people? How many citizens are given a knighthood or a title? Probably not many. It would have to be someone that's got a significant status in the local community in order to receive something like that. It would have to be significant. But why is what is the purpose of the second of the other system? Because the purpose of the system that that I'm in, the the majority of people are in, is to collect the money. We're all taught to just work and to just collect the money and save it. And if you don't want to save it, there's plenty of things that you can buy. You just need to turn the TV on and, um, or turn your phone on and you'll be given adverts to tell you what to buy. But that isn't true for celebrities. It isn't true for financiers. They don't need to buy things. They get given them. People give them things. I'm not saying that every celebrity is the same. I'm sure there are celebrities that are maybe a bit naive to where they're actually operating. That they maybe behave more in the way that common people would and maybe they're the ones that tend to go broke because they let their desires get the best of them. And desire means to lose your title and your knighthood and your influence and your status. So, if so, you think of celebrities that are like 
you hear about them in one decade that how rich they are how much money they've got and then 10 years later you hear that they're doing TV adverts just to get by it's like what? and then maybe you look at that person and you say have they been given a knighthood have they got influence have they got status and typically they don't I was thinking about Robert De Niro when I was talking about that because I know that he's had money problems but I think it's his wife or his ex-wife that has expensive taste but I think he also may have expensive taste it's something it's something I read years ago and he started doing TV commercials he was doing adverts in the UK for bread and then I saw him him doing car adverts and I was like there's something not right something's happened with him and I don't think he's got a knighthood I don't think he's got a title he's just an actor and he just seems to be just getting by And that's because of his desires. He's being held back by that. So he can't maybe attain the same level as some of the others in his... uh, And maybe have more influence than him, more status than him. But whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not sure. I think he's probably a bad, I'd say probably the bad in, in, the, in order to, to maintain your status, maybe you have to do things that you wouldn't normally do, that you have to talk about things that maybe you wouldn't normally do. So I think it might be more, you kind of, you're taken care of. You don't need to worry about anything. Don't need to worry about any material money or things because you'll be provided for. That's, that's what it seems, that's the feeling I'm getting. That It's like you're being, somebody's providing for you and all you have to do is keep on the, keep on the path and don't, desire otherwise you lose your influence and your status and you lose that um, you lose that comfort of someone looking after you taking care of your needs that's all that, that's all what I feel anyway from what I've observed of celebrities and stories about celebrities and how they how they become so washed up and so broke or how they're so wealthy yet don't spend money or rather they're so wealthy yet they're given things and uh, they don't they have a monetary value attached to them but that doesn't necessarily reflect 
a bank balance. It just rep represents like the status, their influence. And the higher the value, the more influence. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's how much they've got. It just maybe means they've got the they've got the knowledge or the means in order to I guess I guess it doesn't matter what the value is it, it may not represent a figure anywhere it may just be the higher the number the better the the richer they are the more powerful they are I think that's all it indicates it's not uh, that's a literal number that they've got or they've got access to I think it's more influence it's indicative of having more influence more power I'm just being a little bit cautious as I'm walking back walking back down through it's like a, a path and a horse track but there's a forested area on the left it's quite dark it looks quite cool in there but um, yesterday I saw a baby deer it just appeared and then it kind of darted off when it saw me I wasn't I wasn't anywhere near it it wasn't going into the into the wooded area it just uh, I kind of just stopped and then saw I heard a branches break and then I saw it and it kind of darted off so it's just been a little bit a little bit cautious as I was walking down because um, there'll be a mother deer or father deer somewhere just don't want to frighten it So anyway, so I've got past that area now, so the deer must be must be somewhere else today. So yeah, I think there's two systems. And I think that explains for me it explains a lot of the discrepancies when you look at how common everyday people that you see in the street how they live how they earn how they get money and what money means and how they compare to the people that supposedly have all the money they have all the influence and all the power and all the status and they've got the title yet they get everything for free It's because the people that don't have that are the people that are desiring something. Whether it's desiring more money, desiring any money, or desiring something, a material thing, a car, a house, just anything. And the people that aren't, that are supposedly really wealthy and rich and have all this money perhaps they don't have any desire 
how could they have desire if they've got a title? If they've been given a title, that means they're a sir, they're a sire. They're without desire. A desire means that you've been, you've had your knighthood or your title removed. So if you've been given a title, rest assured, you must be without desire. Or perhaps you do have desire, but that would manifest in some way. It would be seen somehow. So, being without desire and being given things because they don't want it. That's a, that's a weird thing. That's a weird concept to think of, right? To have something that you don't want. But it may not be a case of you not wanting it. You're not consciously thinking, I do not want a watch. And then someone gives you a watch. It's more like the, the underlying theme of your life is to not want. To just be. Because when you want, you're always going to want This is something something that I've been going through in the last few days. Um, my mum has been saying what she doesn't want. And that's all she focuses on. What she doesn't want. But then if you look at what's happened to her in the last eight months, all she has gotten is what she doesn't want. Because she's actively saying, I don't want that, I don't want that, I don't want that. She isn't... She isn't just letting it... She's not just letting it be. So... It's almost like a, how can I say it? She's getting everything that she doesn't want. She's actively saying, I do not want this, I do not want this. And that's all she's getting. She's repeating the same thing, repeating the same behavior, and she's getting the same result. Now, if you want something, and you want, and you want, and you want, and you want, you're always going to want you're always going to be stuck in that cycle of wanting something so what is the what is the key here what am I missing because I've been through I've been through this a few times thinking about this concept the law of attraction and all that stuff it is based on this that if you hmm maybe it isn't the thought 
maybe the thought, maybe the verbalising of it is is expressing how the body is, is expressing the state of the body. So maybe it's the body. So let's say you're stuck in a situation that you don't want to be in and your expression is, your verbal expression is, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this, but it keeps repeating. So what if you changed what you're... You can't change your expression can't change your verbal expression because it's not true and you know it's not true because that isn't what your body is feeling so even though as much as you wanted you could say I want this I want this I want this something different you're thinking about something different not what you want the the thing that you don't want that's been reoccurring so you're thinking about what you do want but rather you're just saying it nothing's changed inside And maybe everything stays the same. And you're like, hang on. But I'm I'm saying that I want this. But I'm still getting the old thing that I don't want. And that's because nothing's changed inside. You're, st- you're expressing something that isn't true. It's not a true expression of the body. The true expression of the body was you saying what you didn't want. Because that's what the body was telling you. But you... You need to move the body to shift it into what you do want. So you know the expression "fake it till you make it." There's quite a bit, of, quite a bit of, um, quite a bit of truth in that. And this is something I'd been test, I'd been experimenting with because I think it was Joel Dispenza, Doctor Joel Dispenza. His concept is similar to the law of attraction, manifestation kind of stuff. But it's more about feeling. Because the feeling is the change in the body. Right? So once you get the feeling and you change the body, then the expression changes. The expression of the body changes. You become... People might say, oh, you seem a lot happier. That's because you're expressing... The body's expressing itself differently because it's moved into a state that could be called happy. So... That's what. So let's take take that back to to the common people, right? So we're all taught to think about what you want, to talk about what you want. To talk about what you want to go after what you want but you're not taught how to feel that you're taught about how to talk how to express that but you're not taught how to feel it 
So if you don't know how to feel it, you don't know if the expression is true or fake. Now that expression, fake it till you make it, is... I think it's more about... If you wanted to live a certain life by surrounding yourself within that, that type of energy, it allows you to feel it. Because if you've never lived in that kind of a place before, how do you know what it feels like? So by going and feeling it, it gives you something real. And you know what it feels like. And then you can use that. So it's not really, it's not really fake. It's not really pretending. Because you're not pretending or faking the feeling. You're feeling it. Even though you're not living, you're not living in that place. So what I find is, if you find a nice area that you would like to live in, go and walk there. Go and walk there every day. See how it feels to walk down the street. Go and have a look around. See if any of the houses are up for sale and go and look at them. If that's what you want. That's, that's the way of getting the feeling for it. And then when it is, you just hold on to it. You don't need to worry about how it's going to happen. Just capture the feeling and then... Uh, and then just leave it. And if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. That's not to say it's a guarantee. It's not something that is... It's not magic. It's not just going to happen. But the important thing is to not focus on that, on the, the how. It's to focus on, hey, I like that place. I like that, I like that area. I'd like to live there. And why you would like to live there is because it's a nice place, it's quiet, it's a nice environment, all that stuff. And that's it. And then you just hold on to that write it down or whatever you need to do and then that's it you know how that feels and you can you can express that genuinely I would like to live there I'd like that place but a lot of people are coming from not knowing what it feels like so it's not genuine it's that's it's a fake feeling, kind of. Because you don't know what it feels like. So you need to find a way of getting getting the genuine feeling. And then using that. It's not that... It's not that difficult. got to be a bit a bit creative with it I mean there could be 
there could be a country that you want to go and visit or a town or a city or a monument or something and maybe it's not attainable right now but you could do everything you could do everything that you needed to or kind of that's available to you like go online look at maps look at pictures get a feel for the place like to build up that feeling and then then it becomes more real and then it's more attainable it's more attainable than something that's just like a fleeting distraction if it's just like oh yeah I'd like to do that but there's nothing there's nothing behind it there's no substance it's just almost like an opinion or there's no feeling So I think maybe that's how maybe that's how these people operate that or perhaps they've just been provided for through their upbringing maybe they maybe they've never needed to want anything because their family has been well connected or looked after for decades or centuries or it could be that they know they know that simply wanting something is not enough that they have to feel um, what it is that they want maybe that's why maybe that's why things seem so much easier for them maybe they're just always in that state anyway I think I'm going to leave it there I've gone gone into quite a few different things sort of for fishing (laughs) government and then influence status and a bit of law of attraction type stuff so I didn't really know where that was going today I didn't really intend on talking about fishing either it was just uh, just the fact that as I walked past the inspector was well, the, the guy dressed smartly was uh, checking the permit, I'm guessing. Anyway, I hope you have a good day.